right. I uh, uh, good news. I'm going to slow down a little bit from uh, the Revelation study. I'm not doing uh, seven or eight chapters tonight, uh, but uh, we are going to continue what John started on Sunday, and that's our three series, three sermon series on forgiveness. And if you're new to this uh, uh, setting, we'll do the scripture tonight ahead of Sunday. So tonight we'll do the deep dive into the, the scripture that will uh, hopefully give us all a head start with uh, where we're going on Sunday. And, um, and we're continuing in forgiveness. And this past week, John's assignment was to sort of do a general overview on forgiveness with the idea that we don't understand forgiveness until we understand that God forgives. Um, I don't know if Gary had time to deal with it last week, but forgiveness is a uniquely Christian concept. Didn't really exist in Roman culture. Uh, the one of the writer of the one of the books that I'm looking through, Tim Keller, he talked about the uh, that the Roman, the Greek, the Persian, the Assyrian, those were all honor and shame cultures uh, of, uh, of the the Middle East, right? They so so there was there was not a sense where you would value the worth of another person just because they were another person. You you valued power. Uh, you value status and to forgive somebody would be beneath your status. It would be, it would make you less of a person. So not until uh, Jesus came along and, and began to say some things that were pretty radical for his time. Now there was forgiveness that was known in the Jewish culture. Um, but as we will see, it was uh it was pretty structured, and uh, it was almost like the teenagers on a date asking how far is too far rather than what do I do that honors God. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was sort of the Jewish mindset of, of so many things, including forgiveness. Uh, uh, you were required to forgive X number of times, and then no more. Uh, you were required to forgive if. And so, uh, well... Let me let me throw it open. Um, what's the first instance of forgiveness that we know of in the scriptures? Yeah, Adam and Eve. What's the question again? First instance of, of forgiveness that we know about in the scripture. And if you think about that transaction, it's Adam and Eve. They lived in a perfect place. They made a choice that would violate their relationship with God. And, and any time forgiveness is needed, it's because a relationship has been violated. Uh, well, you, you could talk about the transgressions, but any time forgiveness is needed, there's a relational violation. Uh, it, it, it never exists in a vacuum. You know, you don't steal something, you steal something from someone. <laughs> you, don't, you don't commit adultery, you commit adultery with someone else's uh, spouse and so there's there's always a relational violation when forgiveness is necessary 
Now, unfortunately, we've reduced forgiveness almost to just memes and cliches, haven't we? It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Um, no one is strong enough to carry a grudge and a cross at the same time. Human nature, either I pray or I pray upon. Um, the first step in forgiveness is to realize that the other person is a complete idiot. <laughs> we, we reduced forgiveness to just uh, pithy sayings. But there are some that are a little more serious. Brian McGill said, there is no love without forgiveness. And there is no forgiveness without love. And uh, again, in Keller's book, he has a, a couple of chapters with the headings. Uh, the wrath of God as shown by his love and the love of God as shown by his wrath. And our study of. Revelation talked a little bit about wrath, that we will all stand before the throne of judgment. We will all stand before the, the judgment seat of Christ if we are believers. And our our claim to, uh, uh, when, when we are uh, told or when we confess what we've done, when we are shown what we've done at judgment, our only appeal is, is, that, is the cross. And with the, the cross of Christ, as the appeal, uh, the wrath of God is turned away and we are allowed eternal life. Uh, if someone claims to uh, have a favor with God based on their works, then uh, the great white throne in Revelation 20 says they are sent to the lake of fire. So let me ask you a question based on where John was going. Chime right in. Is it possible to forgive someone else and not receive God's love, God's forgiveness? And is it possible to receive God's forgiveness and not forgive someone else? Or are those two, uh, I learned a new word today, the opposite of mutually exclusive is mutually inclusive. That's one that, word. <laughs> that those two have to go together. That, that you can't have one without the other. So uh, is it possible to receive forgiveness from God and not forgive someone else? You cannot. Colossians 3.13. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's the link. Um, um, Psalm 32. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover uh, my iniquity. I confess my transgressions before the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Luke 6.37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. There, there, there's some unpleasant links in Scripture. Usually, they rotate around the the second smallest letter uh, word in the Bible. If if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creature. Well, if any of you 
passed math in high school, an if-then statement meant that if it was true, then these things happen. If it's not true, then these things happen. So if you don't confess your sin, if you're not in Christ, you're not a new creature, if God's people don't humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, then he doesn't hear them from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And, and we we can't dodge the word if because it's it's pretty apparent in scripture. We we love the idea that God forgives. And John talked all about it. The, the, the first part of the parable is wonderful. The king is a benevolent dictator. He has the power to forgive, and uh, so he does. How many of you have trouble giving forgiveness, granting forgiveness? Somebody wrongs you, somebody done some of you wrong, and and you have trouble forgiving someone else. Thank you. <laughs> we have one truth teller in the room. We all do, right? We can't even say we forgive them, but we really feel harboring it. Um, what do you think has shaped that? I mean, we it's no surprise to us that God says we're to forgive, right? Sin nature. Sin nature. I think when you're someone hurts you and there's nothing you can do about it, that it's a process. You can't just say, okay, I forgive her. You know, and you have to work through that hurt. So how long before you forget, right? Is it, you know, you're supposed to. I think it, I think it creates spiritual growth during that time. If you're doing it the right way. You know, just, I have a friend who it's no longer my friend. And right. She, I don't know. It was, just, it was a long time ago, but she thought I should have come to see her more often and visit her at that time when things were going on in my life. You know, and it was just, and she just never called me again, or she would answer the phone if I called her. And it hurt a long time. And there's nothing I can do about it. She doesn't right. know, reciprocate communication. So, it took me a long time to get over that. But That's a complicated aspect of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a story of a of a governor who uh, pardoned a man who was on death row. And the man who was on death row was so guilty over what he'd done, he refused the pardon. <laughs> and uh, the question arose, is it a pardon if it's not Except, I think it is, but I, but I really think it is. He wanted to forgive him, but I think he did. He didn't want to forgive himself. He, the, the, the governor, wanted to forgive, right? And get it done. But he felt different. So, if we want to forgive someone else, and they will not accept our forgiveness, have we forgiven them? Yes. Yes, we have. That governor get a large campaign contribution? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, you do your job to forgive them. You put the ball in there, of course. There's a lot of things that come into play with forgiveness. Some, some are horrible, right? Uh, the uh, 
the story of the uh, uh, the Amish school in Pennsylvania that the uh, crazy man came in and shot ten girls, killed five of them, and the Amish um, families of those girls attended his funeral. The guy was uh, killed the girls and then killed himself. And the Amish families begin to minister to his family. Uh, sometimes it's horrible. <clears throat> sometimes it's petty. But uh, forgiveness is a very real part of, uh, of our faith in Christ. And that's kind of what I wanted to get to uh, tonight. Any other uh, comments about general uh, kind of the, the landscape of forgiveness? We live in a victim culture, right? You know, you, you need to blame somebody. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I guess the question is, what is forgiveness? And yeah. I'm thinking here of the extreme perks we had, the relationships that get broken. And if you forgive them, does that mean restoration has to take place? Yeah. Things are restored, or is it just the act that I don't want, I don't wish ill will against that person? That is me forgiving. But what is forgiveness when it gets down to the root of it? But I think when we forgive, I think our relationship changes. And, and sometimes you, 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 I think you're supposed to forgive, but I think we have a tough time when the relationship's already changed. Well, we, so why don't you know, you're don't right. around them anymore? Yeah, you're right that, that if, if we refuse to forgive, then the bitterness, the, the seed of bitterness sets into us. I, I define forgiveness as giving up my right to be right. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I'm giving up my right to be right. Alan, go ahead. I think a lot of us come from the Willie Nelson school of forgiveness, and it's not really forgiveness. So forgiving you is easy, but forgetting seems to take the longest time. And and you know we we, we kind of lip service to forgiving, but we hold it back. And I, I think that's so easy to do, and it's not really, uh, it's not really forgiveness. But we've also been conditioned in our culture that we are more inclined to vengeance, right? If, if, if you name 10 movies that you've seen in the past several years, half of them are going to be about somebody getting even with somebody. Somebody, somebody unless they're on the Hallmark channel, but even then. <laughs> yeah, but you, but, you can uh, go back to the Count of Monte Cristo. That's been hundreds of years in literature as well. So absolutely. That's not it's, new. It's a recurring theme. Uh, because that's that's the way that we are naturally bent. We're, we're naturally bent. You know, every father on his daughter's date, he says to the young man, just one word of advice. If you hurt her, I hurt you. <laughs> and, and there's we we are we are inclined to vengeance. And so imagine how uh, hard it was for Jesus's hearers to uh, imagine how how weird it was for them to hear him talk about if someone compels you to walk a mile with their pack walk a second mile. If someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. You have heard it said, but I say it to you. It teaches how to pray. Father, uh, forgive us our debts 
as we forgive those who are our debtors. So he, even in the Lord's prayer, he connected God's willingness to forgive us with our willingness to forgive others. And yeah, George. Um, scripture says that uh, vengeance is God's. If I'm created in God's image, is vengeance in mine also? If someone wrongly offends me or damages me in such a way that the remainder of my life is going to be totally altered in a very crippling way. I think Jesus would tell you their answer is no. That, that you don't have the option to have godly vengeance. You you leave that in God's hands. Now, I love that in the Psalms there are what are called uh, the uh, prayers of Smite. Yeah. <laughs> the smite prayers uh, imprecatory prayers is what they're called. Now you know I wouldn't know it worth that bit. Well, it's a lot of vowels. Uh, but you're trying to get smite better. The, the imprecatory prayers. Uh, God, would you make my enemies uh, crippled? Will you uh, hurt their babies? Would you, uh, you know, there, there are prayers in the Psalms that are uh, pretty harsh, but uh, George, he really doesn't give us, Jesus doesn't give us that option. He always connects God's forgiveness of us with our willingness to forgive someone else. But I have a real hard time with any predator taking advantage of someone else, particularly a woman, and then leaving her to deal with the results of his sinful nature toward her. Agreed. And her whole life then is totally altered. Agreed. Now, it's extremely difficult for me to understand how um, if I were her husband or her father, it would be extremely difficult for me to forgive. And I and I recall, and I was thinking about this today, because Jenny knows I when Lord comes home and they start getting into this um, violence against women. I've got to get away from it. Yeah, I don't want to do that. What about a child? Child, I agree with you. Nothing bad enough can happen to someone who But today I reflected on an incident that I have never forgotten. And the guy was, he was a police officer. His last name was Stacy. I'll never forget his last name, Wendell Stacy. And uh, I was on the courthouse lawn as a, a small child, probably five, six years old. And he shot stray dogs for no reason at all other than and killed them in my presence. And I can say that I have ever given him, but I think probably one of the most gratifying experiences of my life was when a, uh, ex, when a Marine came home on leave and he and, and Wendell Stacy got into a confrontation and he beat Wendell Stacy into within an inch of his life. And I remember rejoicing. <laughs> 
I think we've all got those stories, and that's that's how hard it is. It is extremely difficult. And and I think that's why it feels so harsh. Ephesians 4:32. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving. Just as God in Christ also forgave you. And um, Jesus, you know, he spoke about it many times, but uh, there were two, two of his most beloved parables are about forgiveness. Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son or the loving father, however you look at it. And in uh, uh, Luke 15, uh, a son comes home and uh the father uh, rejoiced because the son was home. I was trying to um, get to the, the scripture because the what the father said was so uh, beautiful. The and and we got to keep in mind that when when the son says, "Give me my inheritance now," it is as if he is saying to his dad, "I wish you were dead." Because I, I want my I want I want the will probated today. <laughs> I wish you were dead so we could we could divide this thing up and I could get what I'm gonna get. The scripture says that he came to his senses. Um he returned home. Verse 20 in Luke 15, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran, he embraced him. Um, his son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, bring quickly the best robe, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Let's celebrate for my son was dead and he's alive again. And Jesus has given us a parable that talks about the forgiveness of the father brings life to the boy. What about the brother? The yeah. older brother is us. I think all of us are. Chip Thompson says, but if it was fair, we'd all go to hell. I can see the father forgiving, and we all, I, I don't know, all of us want our children. But we're all the older brother. Yeah. Andrew, what you got? Part of the problem is. Giving the other person the absolute right to be wrong. I give up my right to be right, but I give them the right to be wrong. You have to give yourself the right to be wrong. Forgiving ourselves is probably the hardest part. I, I got a question, and this is a, I have a sister that did wrong to my dad. And the hardest thing is. She still thinks, you know, a certain way. And it's not it's not good. How do you in those kinds of situations that you know they're wrong? And, and you and if you forgive them, that makes the that makes it, it um what do you call it? Um it makes it where it's that she's right that she did wrong. Well, I think to George's point. That there, there is a link with repentance to forgiveness. Okay, there's 
there's we can forgive her, but it sounds like this is an ongoing action. Yes. And and where there is an ongoing action, then there's there's not really a uh, we we can forgive her and forgive her again and again and again. And all of us who are parents have had that experience with our children. We forgive them again and again and again and again. We understand that we are, they are wrong. We give them the right to be wrong. We can't change other people's behavior. No, no. But Alan, I thought the scripture that you were reading in the beginning was saying to us, God can't forgive us unless we ask our forgiveness. Isn't that what that scripture is saying? Unless our heart is bent to forgive others. Okay. It appears that the forgiveness of God is conditional. Okay, but it's not that I have to ask his forgiveness for the before he'll forgive me. I mean his forgiveness of us is is based on the cross. Okay. And but, that's that's the main but, thing. But I was, if you forgive them, that's isn't that valid validating that they can do it again? Perhaps. But they might see your forgiveness and it can change them. I think that the results, again, the receipt of that forgiveness is not on us. That's not our problem. Our uh, we we we're so American, right? Uh, I'll forgive you as long as you'll act like you're sorry. Yeah. I'll forgive you if you'll grovel a little bit. Is there any biblical connection between it, it seems expression of trust? Let's get to that. Yeah, Emily. It it seems to me, and people have I've had this discussion with people. I wouldn't need to forgive someone if they hadn't judged if I hadn't judged them first. Okay. So so the so the real issue is my heart judging rather than seeing that I that's not my job I'm not God that's not my job yeah I mean there are instances where an action is clearly wrong there's there's instances where a, a moral code but but you're right Emily a, a whole lot of our our need to forgive someone else first of all we we've got to get away from that Roman honor shame culture I I if I forgive them I'm lowering myself to their level and in a sense, you are. There are three uh, passages, including the Matthew 18 passage that we're looking at Sunday. There are three uh, uh, places where Jesus is giving instruction that sort of lead to uh, the, the whole body of work. Back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus said, if you are presenting an offering at church, at the temple, and you realize that your brother has something against you, leave your offering, go make it right, and then return. So the, the first of those three instructions is that, is that we have wronged someone else and we need to make it right. So, so the, the principle is that we ask for forgiveness. And Michael, to your question, this implies that 
reconciliation then is part of that. In other words, if, if we are asking their forgiveness, there is repentance and a desire to reconcile. Now, many of you said, if we're forgiving someone else, we may or may not reconcile. They may not be in the least bit sorry. They may be doing it on an ongoing basis. They 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 may not even uh, you're you're just a bug on their windshield. They they didn't they didn't care if they hurt you one way or another. But the 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 first teaching that Jesus gives us, if we realize we have wronged someone else, it is now our responsibility. More important than bringing an offering to God, it's more important for us to go make it right with a brother. And okay, asterisk here. All of these instructions are to Christians. Okay. So, all of these instructions are to disciples. They are they're all to the church. But we're, it, we're not assuming non-believers because that's just not who he's speaking. It says that your brother has something against you. The brother may be wrong. I mean, you're I mean, we assume that this person is asking forgiveness, but that's not what the scripture says. If your brother has something against you. He could have something against you because you got free your hair. Go make it right. Yep. Go make it right. He says that that he, he links forgiveness and reconciliation there. The second uh, passage that uh, that that he leads into the parable with is also in Matthew chapter eighteen, and in Matthew eighteen, he uh, verse fifteen, he says, "If your brother sins against you." Go tell him his fault. Yeah. Maybe he didn't know he sinned against you. And he's saying your brother in both of these instances. He's not saying the, the random crazy okay. cop that shoots dogs. He's saying these are people in the community of faith. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. And this is the, the famous uh, passage of how we deal with sin in the church, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Brother here, non-brother here, you're, you have forgiveness here. Does that mean you don't have to have to have forgiveness over here? I don't think it means that, but that's not what this scripture is about. This, 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 the the strong, strong connection between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. Is in the community of faith. But sometimes, well, I know in, in my situation, when I've had a, a, an issue that really, you know, begged forgiveness, um, I prefer just forfeiting that relationship and making that part and, and making sure I never cross that path again. Ever. A lot easier. You're dead to me. Right. Well, that's it. A lot easier. But I, uh, just not I have, I have obedience. I've found that to work for me. <laughs> it works well, and you and, and you and God can take up what the scripture says. But you know, it leads into it, and now we come to the place where Peter is having some real struggles with this idea. He and I are in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> but a quick review. All of Matthew 18 is talking about how disciples live as kingdom 
disciples on earth. That I I identified uh, six <clears throat> instructions um, as to how a disciple lives. Uh, the uh, first one he has to do with humility. He talks about uh, uh, unless you uh, become like children, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Second one talks about a, a power dynamic, influence, um, uh, the way we handle temptation and and the uh, the inclination to sin, verse 7. Um, uh, verse 10, the, uh, the less significant people have equal worth. Uh, verse 11, uh, great effort is to be expended to bring stray sheep back into the fold. So all of chapter 18 is how do we live in the kingdom? How do we how do we slog our way through planet Earth as disciples? And and so this is almost like a remix of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, back in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, uh, "Here are the Beatitudes. Here are the you averted said statements." He deals with lust. He deals with anger. He deals with uh, temptation. So so now he's coming back around, and that shouldn't surprise us from Matthew. Matthew is the the organized the the tax collector. He he he's recording the things that he wants to say in in groups, and so now he's grouping together the things that we want to make sure we do as we live as disciples in this world. Most of us, when we tell stories, the punchline is which item: the first one or the last. When when we have a, a great movie, what's what's the most climactic scene? Is it at the very beginning? It's at the end. It's at the end. And so it shouldn't surprise us that the very last part of all of these teachings about how a disciple lives in the kingdom, the very last part is this parable of forgiveness. And as John pointed out last week, that there's a lot of hyperbole in this parable. Okay, I, I know that we can spend our time trying to figure out the amount of the debt in today's dollars. Uh, that's a useless exercise. It's fun, but it's useless. The 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 setting or the scene is that Peter has said, "Okay, I'm struggling with this." You've talked about power dynamic. You've talked about humility. You've talked about if I have an offering and somebody has something against me, leave the altar, the offering at the altar. You talked about temptation and you were pretty harsh there. You said if my right hand causes me to sin, I'm supposed to cut it off. If my right eye causes me to sin, I'm supposed to pluck it out. I'm a little disturbed here, Jesus. He says, so about this forgiveness thing. How often will my brother sin against me and I still forgive? Well, George, common wisdom at the time was, fool me once, <laughs> shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know, forgive you once, that ought to do that. Forgive you twice, that's pretty benevolent. Forgive you three times, I'm a fool for letting you do it again. 
And so the Jewish law said three times is the the the, the forgiveness. Oh, I'm Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Peter was actually being pretty generous, maybe reflecting that he'd been listening a little bit. <laughs> and some of Jesus' teachings had broken through. He says, how about seven times? Now, we talked about the number seven in Revelation a lot. Yeah. And so Peter was, you know, teacher's pet right here. I, I here's, here's an apple and the best answer anybody can give. Uh, shouldn't we forgive the right number of perfection? How many of you have a new international version? Um, ESV? New American Standard? How many times did Jesus say to forgive according to your Bible? 77. 77. 70 times. 70 times. Whoa, 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 what? 77? No, 70, 70 times. 77 times. I, I thought you said 77. I read 77. My Bible says 77. Uh -oh. My Bible says 83. But 77 times. Seventy times seven is what the one says seventy dash. Oh, so it's either four ninety or seventy seven. Who's got a note in their study Bible? This is a very simple explanation. The rabbi said to forgive three times, so Peter thought he was being said, Oh, well, we've already said that. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. It, it says 77 in the footnote says are stuttered in tongues. It depends on whether Jesus was quoting the Hebrew or the Greek. The 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 way the numbers are are given, it could be either one. And uh, the Greek, the Septuagint, the, the 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 Latin translation of the Hebrew leans to the 77. Uh, the Hebrew was 70 times seven. So it doesn't really matter, doesn't matter whether you're saying 77 is 10, 11 times perfection or 70 times seven. It, it, this is setting us up for the parable where the numbers are just too great for comprehension. And so he, he says, I say not seven times, but ESV says 77, uh, New International says 70 times 7. So now he starts the parable, and John uh, spoke on the parable last Sunday, right? Yes. He probably told you the first part, because the first part of the parable that we have to get, if you, if you don't get this, you can't play, is the extravagance of God's forgiveness. Mm. If you read the newspaper clipping, King forgives debt of, and I've seen as high as $6 billion in today's terms. It's, again, it's a useless exercise, but it was a, the, the number that the, uh, that Jesus gave was the highest numerical value that the Greeks had. You know, it's, it's Toy Story to infinity and beyond. You can't go beyond infinity, right? It's the highest number that was possible. And so whether it was a million or a billion or six billion, 
uh, it was a number that everybody knew was not possible to be repaid. Have you all heard the stories of the utility bills that people get? There was a there was one in China where a guy got a, a or a, a Japan guy got a utility bill for one hundred and eleven trillion dollars. He told him that it would be difficult for him to pay that. <laughs> that he thought perhaps there was a clerical error. Um, that's the point. Is that everybody who read it would would have two impressions. That is an impossible number, and the king forgave that much money. Uh, one writer said that the uh, total of the taxation of all the Roman provinces at the time would have been about six hundred. Um, 600,000 of this number. And so this number eclipses all the taxes that Rome collected in 20 years. And so anybody who was reading it would understand this is a metaphor. This is, this is not supposed to be a number we figure out. It's a debt that is impossible to repay. How would you have felt if you read that a, a king forgave that? We're, we're struggling over the president wanting to forgive college loans. <laughs> How dare he take my money and forgive it? Well, this guy gave $6 billion. He said the guy didn't have to pay it. And, and the assumption was that every other king in the land and, and every subject in the land would go on. Our king has lost his ever-loving mind. <laughs> Who forgives that kind of debt? And so the extravagance of it is the whole point. And then the contrast, um, a few of the finer points, uh, since he could not pay, verse 25, the king ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had until a payment could be made. And we're going, wait a minute. You, what? Sold wives and children. Then the servant fell on his knees, imploring him. If your Bible has fell on his knees in worship, it's a bad translation. He didn't worship the king. He implored him. He asked him for forgiveness. And he said, have patience with me. I laughed out loud. There's no amount of patience that's going to get him to that kind of debt. There's, there's no amount of time. There, there's nothing, I, I don't even know how he accrued that kind of debt, but he did. And out of pity, the master, the, that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And so there was a, we're supposed to read this and go, he owed a lot of money to the king, the, the master. He, he had a tremendous debt. The master had every right to sell his children to slavery. And by the way, a slave costs less than a talent. Mm. Less than a day's wage or a talent, a number, whatever number of days wage that was. A drachma, I think, was a day. So 
the king had every right, the master had every right to sell him into slavery and let him uh, be subject to harsh conditions, including his wife, including his children. We're supposed to think that's harsh because now we get a contrast. The guy wrote off the debt. Judy and I had a road trip to uh, New Orleans. You guys know we were gone. And uh, when we got back, of course, the car was filled. This, it was nasty bugs and whatever else. So we pulled into the car wash over on Roswell Road. And it's a little odd. There was an attendant out there by the place where you pay. And apparently the car wash had changed ownership. And she could, and she said, which one do you want today? And I told her which one I wanted. And she says, well, what do you want to pay for it? I said, nothing. It was my birthday yesterday. <laughs> and she said, how much? I said, 66. <laughs> oh, how much do I want to pay? <laughs> and she punched the button and let us through. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Judy's got a especially shiny car and uh and it was incredibly benevolent yeah you know i expected to have to pay for a a car and as little as that is the the joy of going i just got a free car watch and the master said i am writing off your entire debt we are expected, once again, we are expected to say, wow, that's a lot of money. We're expected to go, yeah, children in slavery, that's pretty harsh. We are expected to go, I bet that guy was some kind of great. I bet that guy was transformed. His life will never be the same because he's out from under that debt. He should, he, he should be so grateful towards that master. And now Jesus drops the bomb. Let me tell you the rest of the story. Somebody owed that same guy some money. Not nearly as much. Somebody said it was like if the debt was um, $600,000, then this guy owed him $12,000. If the guy was owed him $600, he owed him $12. That's the ratio. And 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 we're going, okay, that's just not much. And here's the surprise. He went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him, seizing him. The word there is the word throttle. What do you think of when you think of throttling somebody? Choking them until they can't. Well, until they die. The, yeah, the word throttle comes from the word throat. So he he grabbed him by the throat and he says, "You're going to pay me back every penny." And the, the 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 syntax is the same. Have patience with me; I will pay you. He refused, and ironically, he put him in prison till he could pay the debt. You can't pay any debt if you're in prison. When the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they went to the master. The master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Does anybody have a note in your uh, Bible about that? Yeah, you deliver him to the jailers. It's not so they can play board games. Um, it, it definitely implies torture. So the 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 hyperbole in the in the parable is enormous. Yeah. We're supposed to go. That's a lot of money. We're supposed to go. That's a harsh penalty. We're supposed to go. I bet he was some kind of delighted. We're supposed to be shocked when he turns around and tries to collect the debt because God wants us to be aware of the debt that we owe him and that that debt is only settled through the cross. The cross is the only way to resolve the tension between the wrath of God and the grace of God. Only way. God has to be satisfied with his wrath. Sin has to be punished. Sin has to be punished in the harshest way. God hates evil. He, he despises sin. He wants to uh, punish sin. Not discipline. You know, I used to say as a, as a youth pastor, there's a difference between disciplining your kids and punishing your kids. Discipline has the root word to teach. Punishing just makes you feel better. And God wants to punish sin. But he is overwhelmed by his character that wants to forgive it. His desire is not that any would perish. But we don't understand the Roman road all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you call upon the name of your Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is not God's will that any would perish, but all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There, the, you, We can't grasp forgiveness without grasping wrath. And so it the the rage that we have over this servant who was forgiven much but wouldn't forgive any, that's the rage we're supposed to feel. And that's the humility we're supposed to feel. The giving up the right to be right, even when somebody else is exercising their right to be wrong. Can I use that on Sunday? <laughs> Is that okay, Andrew? Gave me that little nugget. <laughs> you may hear it again. One preacher to another. We're supposed to feel that rage. We're supposed to be thoroughly disgusted that he has been forgiven much and he forgives not at all because we're supposed to understand that's the transaction of the cross. That's the transaction of discipleship. That's kingdom living. We don't want to forgive. We don't feel like forgiving. We are bent to vengeance. We love it when Liam says, I've got a very special set of skills. Oh, I <laughs> we like that. But we're supposed to be shocked into an awareness that that is not the way of God.
that the way of the kingdom, the way of kingdom life, the way of the disciples. <clears throat> and George, I'm with you. I, I've got a little list, the naughty list. And, and I'm still agreeing that vengeance is God's, but I wish he'd exercise it on them. <laughs> I wish I'd give them a little taste. When you say uh, forgiveness is uh, giving up the right to be right and maybe letting that person be wrong, if that's it. My mom used to say, you have to be broad-minded enough to accept the narrow-minded man because the narrow-minded man will never accept you. So if you're big enough in your rightness, you can forgive the wrongness. <clears throat> the hard part about this is that connection. The hard part is the tension that comes when we want to hold on and God tells us to let go. And, you know, we've all had some pretty traumatic times. We've all had things where somebody took advantage of us. They hurt us. They hurt somebody we love. They, they, they did something horrible. Um, do y'all remember the story from Guideposts that uh, Corey Ten Boom wrote the article? Oh, yeah. And uh, she, maybe 47, 1948, she was back in Germany uh, encouraging the German people uh, with her testimony. And uh, she was talking about forgiveness. And she looked in the audience and one of the guards from the concentration camp where her sister died was there. And uh, he walked forward at the end of the service and he said, I've become a Christian. I know you were there. I was there. Will you forgive me? And uh, I think I, I captured part of what she wrote. Um, she said, and I, and I stood there with coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand to shake his. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And then she says, those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remain invalids. It was as simple and horrible as that. Hard, hard words. But one of those uh, times in the Christian life where we come up to a place where we realize how much we need him, how much we needed the cross because our debt was immense. And we're supposed to say, 
It's a lot of money. It's a lot of sin, Alan. And yet, on the cross, that debt was canceled. Mm. All righty. We'll uh, have more fun on Sunday. Um, you know, come ready to be discouraged again, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's good to see all you guys tonight.